Welcome to the Food Junkies Podcast. Here, we aim to provide you with the experience, strength, and hope of professionals actively working on the front lines in the field of food addiction. The purpose of our show is to educate you, the listener, and increase overall awareness about food addiction as a disease with abstinence as the solution. Here, we talk about all things recovery. Most importantly, how to thrive rather than just survive. So stay positive, make a change for yourself, tell others about your change, and hopefully the message will spread. Happy Friday, Food Junkies listeners. Molly here. I just wanted to remind you of a couple things. First, Clarissa and I are food addiction professionals and offer our services 100% online. Some of those services are groups we run several times a week to provide affordable treatment. These groups are Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and you can learn more at the Food Junkies podcast website, foodjunkiespodcast.com, or by reaching out to Clarissa or myself via social media or email. Second, I'm still looking for people willing to share their stories for the Sweet Sobriety YouTube channel. Day one or day 1001, we want to hear your story. If you're interested, please consider scheduling an interview by going to the Food Junkies podcast website or reaching out to me. Today in this reprisal episode, Vera interviews a mentor and colleague, Esther Helga Gomenstotter. Esther is a pioneer in the field of food addiction treatment. She opened one of the first food addiction treatment programs in the world, MFM. The MFM program in Iceland has treated approximately 3,000 Icelanders. Her program gives them hope and the tools to achieve long-term recovery and is based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Esther also founded InFact, an international training program for any type of professional willing to learn about food addiction and how to help those suffering from it. Finally, Esther is the executive director and chair of the Food Addiction Institute, an independent nonprofit organization whose mission is to support the healing of all food addicts. In this episode, Esther shares her personal and professional journey. She shares her message of hope. We learn more about the Food Addiction Institute. Esther talks about MFM, her food addiction counseling center. We learn about the International Food Addiction Counselor Training Program, or INFACT. She talks about the components of food addiction treatment that she feels are essential. We find out what Esther has had to change in how she treats food addiction. What are Esther's unique contributions to the food addiction field? What's next for Esther and our signature question? All right, Vera, take it away and welcome Esther. All right. Welcome to the Food Junkies Summit. My name is Vera Tarman and I'm your host today for this interview. October is the month when we face sugar cravings head on, starting with Halloween and ending with New Year's Eve. Every day in October is a new challenge for many, so we decided to do this summit to speak to people who work in the field or are in recovery in the field, to learn from their wisdom as they get through this month and then the next few months after. Today, we are speaking to Esther Helga, who has a number of credentials behind her, the most important for our purposes. She is a food addict in recovery for over 18 years. She is creator, teacher, and administrator of the world-renowned International Food Addiction Training Program, otherwise known as INFACT. She also runs a food addiction treatment program in Iceland called MFM, and I'll let Esther uh, give the actual words for that. And finally, she is the executive director and vice chair for the board of the Food Addiction Institute. So, hello, Esther. Have I missed anything? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Okay, good. So thank, thank you for uh, being willing to speak to, to us today. And can you s- first start with telling us a little bit about your early, like your story, your personal story of food addiction and your aha moment? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Vera. I'm excited about what you guys are doing, and I think it's very, very uh, helpful. 
for people wanting to get information and knowledge about recovery from this uh, really deadly disease. And uh, I can say that I was for sure in the grips of this uh, in a severe way, and it took me uh, almost to my death, uh, this disease. And I started uh, experiencing uh, symptoms uh, at a very early age. However, I didn't start gaining weight until a bit later in my teens, and specifically when I I got uh, pregnant with my children, that's kind of when it all really started to to blow out of uh, proportion. But but the relationship with food and the eating and not being able to stop eating certain foods started at a very very early age for me, and. Uh, well, I'm, I started very early to try to find ways. I was very uh, health conscious and uh, ate only very organic foods for the most part. I became a vegetarian and a vegan like 40, 50 years ago. So I've been there, done that. And But the interesting thing was that no matter how healthy I was, I would never lose the problem with food and the uh, the overeating that I got caught up in. Then, of course, it came the cycles of restriction and restricting versus the binging and the eating and the weight gain, a constant weight gain. Now, this was became my life from, from 16 to 48 and uh, escalating every year to the point of me wanting to die. I, I felt uh, when I was 48, I felt uh, more than 60 and I thought that was really old. And now I am older than 60 and I feel 48, I tell you. But uh, I really felt at the end of my life, my depression was really deep. Uh, my, my health had started to deteriorate. And uh, yeah, so so this was uh, it was not a pleasant pleasant state of being, and uh, both physically and specifically emotionally and mentally, this disease took me to my knees. You know, I saw a picture of you when you were uh, in in that period of your life, and it was I, I, we don't have a picture now, but it was quite I mean it's quite a shock. You know, yeah. when we say that pictures tell a thousand words, yours is definitely an example of that. So I, I don't know how tall you are, but but what was your weight then compared to now? Like just so that people can at least imagine. Yeah. So so I'm I we do here in Europe we do kilos and 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 centimeters. I'm I'm one sixty eight height. I think it is maybe like five six or something like that. And my weight had become uh, 123 kilos plus and that is probably almost 300 pounds huh. and uh so so i it, and it was escalating i it was out of control and i had i had been a really good dieter i tell you <laughs> yeah really <laughs> i was successful doing one diet after another and i i sometimes say i lost so much weight through those years that it is probably incredible i wish i had the number for that but then i will always lose it again and you know the the yo-yo span would always be wider and wider and and uh, at the end i had no way 
of losing weight, restricting, or stopping eating. So I would say that I was in the last stage, stages, a late stage food addict uh, at, at the point where I got to recovery. And finally, I got uh, supported with a sufficient food plan and uh, uh, that that would really take out all physical craving for me. Before, before we get to that, what was your aha moment to know this is an addiction and I have to address it that way rather than weight? Because you'd already done the weight thing for years. Yeah. Like, and I, I had actually tried 12-step uh, programs and was familiar with 12-step programs for years and years. But, uh, but I never had really a recovery from those programs I believe because I, I never had a food plan suggested to me that was sufficient for me. Okay. And so I never experienced freedom from food until that I got that. And uh, I, I remember when I got into into that program that uh, I I was thinking my mind. Let me just, just for people to know. So that was a program that gave a specific food plan. Yes, yes. Because yes. not all of them do. Just one so that people know that. Right. Uh, very, very uh, st- strict food plan, one day at a time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, 12 steps. And uh, so, but I remember when I entered that, I thought in spite of me wanting to die, I was so desperate and so to my knees, I was thinking, well, maybe I'm just a little bit of a food addict. Maybe, you know, that's that's how sick my mind was. And but I did go in and I was willing to do this for a week at the beginning to prove them wrong, basically. And uh, but fortunately for me, it it worked. And uh, it is uh, is quite a few years, like six, 18 and a half year now, uh, uh, almost uh, that since since I got that recovery for me, great. And you've maintained that recovery back to back since then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you have not gained any more weight. Like I mean, the the period of time that I've known you, you, you look exactly the same. There hasn't yeah. been any uh, uh, yo-yoing at all. So from that success, your own personal success, how did you make that um, uh, move into a work situation? Well, I used to be an opera singer and the music director and choir director, and I would uh, I would do Broadway shows and you know with my my people and myself and and you know so I had a, a career in music, but I knew that one immediately when I got my recovery, I understood that finally uh, I had tools that people needed in this world. Uh, so that totally, so I totally just changed my careers. I, 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 of course, did whatever I could to get my recovery. It took me about three years to get stable recovery, and I did, and I did whatever was necessary <laughs> because uh-huh. I did not want to go back to that place where I was. And to tell you the truth, Vera, I was scared to death that I would lose this freedom uh, of being that I had uh, found. Uh, because it wasn't just losing the weight, it was a total makeover for my myself as a personality. 
And uh, so, so it was very precious to me. I also wanted to learn more, you know. Uh, so I came interested in learning more about uh, what recovery was, and and I started looking around to see if there is any, if there was any treatment for food addiction because I had really not been exposed to that at all, and uh, and. To my amazement, I did not hardly find anybody doing treatment, and it is still pretty scarce how, you know, the, the treatments, but it is growing fast. These years, we're, we're in the early stages of, of producing food addiction professionals through the Impact School. So slowly but surely, I found people, the pioneers in the field, like Acorn people, Phil and Mary, uh, you, Vera, Bitten Jonsson, and, and Marty Lerner, and Teresa Wright, all of these people uh, that, that uh, you know, came together in the Food Addiction Institute as, as professionals, uh, wanting to advance and uh, to give, really, to, to give people the hope, the hope of recovery. And that's really where I've, I've, I feel my passion lies, oh. is that, that, that I want to give uh, people the hope of recovery. So I know that you, you mentioned uh, uh, two or three things that you did. So one of them was the Food Addiction Institute. Can you tell us a li- just a little bit about that and what your role was and became in that? The Food Addiction Institute, um, I, I would imagine 20 years ago, 18 years ago, it didn't exist. But uh, so just just to give a, a just a, a, a paragraph description for people who don't know what that is. Well, the Food Addiction Institute is a nonprofit organization uh, set together by the pioneers in the field of food addiction treatment, basically, and science. Uh, to, pro, you know, to uh, give education on and advancing the knowledge for, for, for the, for the professionals, for professionals, for, for, um, for people that have, that suspect that they may have the food addiction and the, and to advance science. And, uh, we, we have come together and are working, we're working in the last winter, for example, we're, we're setting in applications to the APA and the DSM and the, the WHO, WHO for the ICD, which are the codes for description of a disease. And uh, we want them to take a look at food addiction seriously as a disease. Yeah, so, so, so we, for, people, yeah. for people who don't know what that is, these are all ventures to get the professional world, the psychologists and the psychiatrists and doctors, and, yes. and uh, basically the funders to believe that such a condition of food addiction exists. And the yes. Food Addiction Institute has been crucial towards pushing that, that, that uh, agenda. Absolutely. Yeah, great. And uh, I started uh, there quite a few years back. And, and now in the last two years, I've, I've served as the executive director. And, and we're, we're, we're pretty much uh, advancing this um, agenda for for us more and more and and getting more and more noticed uh, for what we're doing and into the science and the professional field. 
Okay, great. So what about your work? Because I, when I first met you, you were doing your own, even before Infact, which I want to talk to you for sure, um, yeah. but, but you were doing your own uh, treatment in Iceland. Can you t- describe how you got into that and what that looked like? Just for people who are interested in what that yes. would look like. Yeah. Well, when I was getting my recovery, I wanted, I, I knew that I wanted to open up a food addiction counseling center here in Iceland. And uh, so I did. Three years after, after I got abstinent, I opened up the doors to, to clients for the first time. And uh, I had actually done at that point, I had re-educated myself in uh, addiction counseling. And then uh, soon after I was, I started a professional program with uh, Acorn, Phil and Mary Fushi, Phil Verdell and Mary Fushi to learn and study uh, from people that have been doing treatment for years and years. And oh, but, uh, just, just a quick two sentence, what is Acorn? Acorn is is a food dependency recovery services uh, with a with a, an intensive uh, food addiction treatment, and they developed a professional training, which is actually uh, in fact has kind of taken over now. That was the first training in the world. Uh, where professionals could go and learn and study how to treat food addiction. Uh And so I went through that program, which really helped a lot in for me to develop. And I developed here in Iceland an outpatient treatment. And at that point, I I did not realize it was the first outpatient treatment for food addiction in the world. And uh, today it's still active. And I think we've treated about 3,000 Icelandic people uh, at the center. And we've had we've had really, really good success with with treating people at the MFM uh, center, which is the food addiction treatment center in Iceland. Okay, and so so from there, uh, tell us about Infact. Like what I I I remember that's where I met you is when you were doing MFM, and uh, I guess it was also at Acorn. I don't know if I met you there, but heard about you, and was yeah. very interested in uh, what you were doing. So I actually went over to Iceland, met you there, and uh, there you were talking about we need a program to teach people because everyone's asking what do i do and we didn't have know what to say other than acorn which was still pretty small yeah compared to in fact now so tell us about in fact well in fact i i think i also realized in my mind that there was a real need for a profession training for professionals and i in my my heart i understood that the professionals need to change the world and of course, the, the, the food addicts do change the world because they have the need and they, they ask for what they need more and more. But the professional needs to know what, what the person needs. And uh, so I had undergone uh, addiction treatment program and it was uh, being supervised by, by the, the program director of that and who is also the chair of the European Certification Board for Addiction Counselors. And uh, he actually supported me in, in setting up material for, for professionals. And then I gathered together my colleagues 
from from the Food Addiction Institute, the people in the pioneer, the pioneers with me to to form the the lecturing and the teaching about the food addiction, the science, the brain, and the 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 therapeutic uh, treatment thereof. And so 2016, we started the impact training and we've been going strong ever since. And I think uh, we're going to be certifying about the, yeah, the 80th 80th, uh, student in now in the fall. (laughs) We have a pretty full, I think we we have 28 applications so far for the winter. So it's really, really growing and people have been happy with it. And we've, we've really tried to grow with, with every year in the science and the, the knowledge and in the, the teaching real hands on training and teaching people so that they can be supported to, to start doing this work within the professional field. What does it? What does the program actually look like? Like, I guess it's mostly virtual right now. Uh, but yeah. is there is there a, a a locum part of it where you have to do some work in the community or write a paper? Or can you just explain a little bit in case somebody's interested? Yeah. Well. Well, the base of it is the workbook, which is clinical guidelines on work, how to take a client from beginning to end in treatment how to assess and screen, how to the intake process, how to deal with uh, the food plants, how to deal with treatment for for the mental obsession and uh, trauma sections, you know, on and on and on, relapses and and the the science of, of the whole thing, of course. And so, so we have a section off on on that, and people do need to do to uh, pass final examination for for that. Then they need to do a project, which is uh, how you know a, a project and present it uh, for other students. It's a thirty minute project on how they they see themselves work and use the knowledge that they've gathered so far. And we've had incredible, insightful uh, projects and and students go through uh, so far. Now, we also have assignments as we go through the workbook. There are assignments and uh, there are student groups. And uh, the student groups work the assignments together and then they bring bring it to class where we go over and study uh, further in detail, and they get more supervision on on what to do. So the sessions are both lectures from from different teachers, like yourself, for example, who I love having every time, and uh, some of the other incredible lecturers. So and and they can it's virtual. Uh, so there is question and answers as well. And then there is teaching and training sessions, mostly with me, on treatment, uh, on hands-on treatment through the workbook and through the assignments that, that the students do through the seven-month uh, course. So it's a seven-month course, yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the course, a person is equipped to be a food addiction counselor. Can they just open up their shingle and go for it? 
Yeah, well, it, it, they wanted to us to, to name it, uh, food addiction professionals rather than counselors. So it, and I think it kind of opens up the venue for people because uh, people are coming from different kind of professions and will be using the knowledge in very different ways. So some may just go into education for it. Others may be, you know, like we've had quite a few physicians and nurses, you know, will have the knowledge. And some are really uh, starting their own company, basically, and treatments. Uh -huh. And there's actually been quite a few of, of those as well. So you can, and uh, there are requirements, of course, for, for doing that under supervision as with any any training in 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 uh, in a new profession but yes you could do that okay that's great thank you so uh with so it sounds like it's been very successful so it's about five years old now and you've got you've sort of uh produced 80 80 people who have done the food addiction program so far or 80 graduates and yes. um you i think you're doing it now you were doing it once a year but now you're doing it twice a year is that right well, we, we, we did put one in, uh, start one in the spring, uh, just to try it out. And yeah. I, don't, I don't think we'll do that again. It's a little too much. Yeah, uh, it's pretty but, intensive. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, but there was a real uh, ask for us to do that. But I think we will do this uh, once a year from now on. And, and the next one is coming up in the fall, I think you said. Is that right? Yeah, yes. it's actually very soon. Yeah, yes. it, it we're starting it in, in September. So by the time people hear this talk, uh, it's already happening, but you can yeah. sign up for next year. Um, yeah. Okay, so so um, getting back to, so maybe within Factor, your own personal experience, what would you say um, was the essential piece in working with people that was the thing that you, that was essential, that was really important? Well, there's there there are two components that that I see as essential in in treatment for food addiction or sugar addiction. One is the biological part to 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 help a person get to a place of food a food plan, an eating plan that works. And uh, in my experience, there can be a, a a big variety in that for sure. But there are certain foods that need to be excluded. We just need to abstain from and uh, liquids. So, so that needs to be very clear, and that needs to also, we always need to start with that. And because once we do, people will experience the freedom of craving, and they will start understanding the difference between craving and hunger, mm -hmm. which they think is hungry but it is basically craving. And there's a totally different energy behind that. But then there is, a, for many uh, that really do have uh, the disease of addiction, there is more to it. And uh, which, is, which is, it is the mind coming from the blue that will tell you that you can now have one, and though that is not the experience before. And uh, that that part of the disease, the psychological part, can be affected by how you were brought up, if you were, if you had trauma in your life, or just how your personality basically basically is was built up. 
Uh, how is your self-esteem? Are you do you have a lot of fear in your life? And as a consequence of all of this, we start using and behaving in in ways that can be addictive. And uh, once we get start uh, working with those addictions, we stop doing them. But then we need a way of dealing with the emotions that come up. Which we and, all know is super big for food addicts. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it is a tricky, tricky thing. And uh, we, we for sure need real treatment for that if we're going to get through that, for sure. So you're talking like trauma work or just, I mean, is this, is this where the person can stay with you or the food addiction counselor? Uh, professional or should they then look for outside help elsewhere i guess it opens the door to those possibilities eh? yes yes i think both i think both and i think if if a person is lucky enough to have a qualified professional in the field the professional can guide them on pretty pretty well onto a recovery a way of recovery but then outside help like from 12-step programs from smart recovery or wherever it is is in my mind essential there's this the support the okay. element of support that i see is essential for a person to because we can all stop eating sugar in those foods but the problem is that we don't keep staying away from it we always start doing it again so obviously this is a chronic uh situation that we need to find a, a new way of of living basically uh so that we can handle that and deal with what comes up and be prepared for whatever comes up in our lives and be able to to deal with it without eating without uh, working too much or whatever we yeah. do what, 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 what i really hear you saying esther so well so eloquently is that it's the food plan is number one it's essential we need to do that uh, but it's much more than the food plan and weight loss now we have to uncover all the uh, the artifice that built this up and and it's not enough to just stop at the foods and now it now the hard work of staying stopped yes and and you're using an addiction um, model to do that it yes. is is there something that you have found in your years since these eight it sounds like you've been working for 15 years because you've been clean for 18 and got yeah. into three years later um something that you've learned over the years that works or doesn't work in your training in your in your actual work well, what I, I see is, is really does work is uh, uh, food plans that are a no matter what and with support. That's, that's the base. Uh, the second component is, uh, a, you know, a therapeutic approach to the 12 steps. And I have, and uh, I have uh, steadily used that as part of the treatment at the MFM treatment all those years. And so I see the benefit of, of doing that. And I, I, I see the benefit of it as people go forward into 12-step programs, having the knowledge of what it is that they will support them with and uh, continuously may help them maintain uh, then the the uh, the recovery that they they 
start understanding in treatment. So, so that's, that's really where I see the ones like when we did uh, a questionnaire for the MFM uh, treatment some years back, uh, that we have like 70% success in the first year, which is phenomenal. People uh, stay abstinent, they lose the weight, and about 70% uh, in the first year. Then people will start doing different things. <laughs> the ones that go into 12-step programs, uh, those are the long timers. That's about 30% that become long timers. In And then we have like 30, 40% of the people that are kind of chronically coming back and forth and getting stability. Like they, uh, they've kind of slipped and then they come back and so it's yeah. starting to relapse. Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. And then they come into more and more recovery, hopefully. Then there is certain percentage that I think may not be food addicts, may just, you know, need to need needed to find a way of, of learning and, and, and understanding uh, what they need to do, like uh, like drinkers that stop drinking because, you know, it just is not working for their lives. So so we have also 10 to 20 percent of people that, that I think come from that and uh, find a way. And there's a lot of people I see uh, as well that do that. So that's sort of what you've seen over the years is that that's actually a really nice way to break that down of the 30, 30, 30, almost that sort of thing. Yes. Have you, have you um, found in your own work that you've had to be more flexible or made changes? Like what's changed for you over the years from where you started to where you are now? Well, it is broader understanding on, uh, for the clients I, you know, as I started, I started pretty much coming from my recovery. I think a lot of two-hatters do that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so more and more, uh, as I, I went more into being a professional, I learned to be distinguished more between uh, professionalism and the two-hatter or a 12-step person. And uh, so, so that has changed, and the understanding of the different food plans that people may need and are able to do, and yeah, and uh, the realization basically more and more how tricky this disease is and how how deadly it is, and you know just with you know you have clients that have been doing really well, and then one day they come and and they're gone. And it's that, that yeah, and, and you don't remember, they, they don't, re, you know, they don't see you and you don't see them anymore. This gum, this is the severity of the disease. Uh -huh. and it's very scary, <laughs> but it is understanding that this will happen. And then uh, once uh, people wake up again, you know, just to be there for them again. And I'm fortunate that a lot of people come back. Uh, after relapses and, and slips within the recovery because there is a treatment center here. What about the people who say, I'm not interested in 12-step? And, and so you're saying there's the 30% who make it and they tend to be the long-timers, the 12-steppers. But what about the, the, there are lots, and you did mention, um, what did you say? You said in, at Smart Recovery. What, what about the people who don't want to do 12-step? Is there any hope as far as you're concerned? Well, 
you know, if you are in treatment and you teach them the principles, you know, mm. if you if they just learn the principles, they may not go and do anything in the 12-step programs, but they've, they've learned the turnaround of it and uh, the life-changing effects of it, whether they want it or not. And it is something that once once people just go through it and, you know, you can say it is 12 steps or you can say, okay, this is, you know, this is treatment, you know. And I, I have very seldom had people that, that did not want to try it in treatment. Right. But they may never, ever have gone into any of it if it was going walking into a 12-step program anywhere in the world. But you would still insist that they have to do some sort of support group, though, some sort of support. It may not be 12-step, but it does need to be – you can't do this on your own. Yes. I, mean, I, I will. In, in your mouth. You would – yeah. You agree with this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, that, that, and I think it is like three components. It is, it is the food plan. It is support, some kind of support, and it needs to be sufficient uh-huh. for you. It needs to come from a healthy place, however it is. And in, it needs to be real support, you know, for when you need it, not just, you know, because you never know when you need it. Yeah. You never know. So somehow you get need to have some kind of support that you can count on when you need it. And uh, preventative is, I, th- I say, is always the best because then, you know, when you learn to just have some support, whatever, how it is, then it is just there when you need it. Exactly. Like at two o'clock in the morning when you're having a night craving. Or you're really upset about something and all you want to do is eat. Okay, so so, uh, just to to close up with a little bit more about you, uh, Esther, what do you feel is unique about your clinical contribution to the world of food addiction? I mean, I could go on and on about what I think, but what do you think? Well, what has Esther given us? Well, I I think um, the most precious gift is my abstinence. Ah. The most precious gift is my abstinence and my continued abstinence as a result of recovery work. And it, it kind of gives me the strength to keep going and supporting others because now I know this works. It works for me. And I see people year after year see me and understand that, that there is this hope. So so it is giving hope. Yeah. And, and the the second thing is is to uh, to go ahead and form a school where professionals can learn real tactics to deal with this disease. And so I think those two things are, you know, what Esther has given to the world. <laughs> I hope. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, Esther, what is next for you? Um, I mean, you're right in the middle of things, so maybe next is a bit premature, but what's what's next for you in terms of your hopes uh, on your agenda? Well, my my agenda is to keep uh, advancing the Infact School, and uh, we've just launched a new project and are starting to cooperate with uh, with some scientists around the world, a treatment for children, teens, and families. Oh, 
And uh, so, so that is a project that I am pretty excited about, and I, I think it's much, much needed. And I must say, you know, with my friend Dr. Lustig, which I've been happy to to get acquainted with, and is one of MFAC lecturers, he always talks about we need to educate the children because they're going to inherit the world. Uh huh. Yes, we're gonna we're we're dying off pretty soon, but <laughs> they're gonna be there, you know. That's right. And I think that is very very true, and uh, for this uh, so much else, and I'm hoping in launching this project, and uh, I'm hopeful with the people that are uh, being interested in partake partaking in it, that that might be a th something that will change the world as well. Okay, so um, do you have, um, uh, we always ask this question at the very end, uh, we call it our signature question. What would you tell your younger self about food addiction or food addiction and recovery? What would I, I, I you know, you, you talk about if I was uh, at my early years. Like a, a younger self at some point, probably before. Yeah. When you were in the thick of your dieting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. my God, I, I think so. So I think so much of 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 why I'm doing what I do in my life is because I had so hoped I, you know, would have so wanted somebody to say to Esther, uh, when I was 16. Yes. When I was beginning the cycle of this, and when I thought just restricting and then binging was just the thing to do that this was a real disease and needed uh, treatment. And I, I do believe that I would have uh, recovered earlier in life if I had that kind of uh, help wow. and information. All right, Esther, thank you so much. I, I'm so delighted to do this uh, a talk. Esther is one of these pioneers that she's talked about. Esther, like you mentioned the word two tatters. So, you know, a lot of us who have had the disease and are in recovery are now working in the field. So that's the concept of two hatter. Esther, you are the exemplar of that. So there you are with your 18 years of sobriety. And not only are you working in the field, but you've actually initiated a program, like you said, the first outpatient program. You you didn't you haven't even talked about your political work in Iceland and actually getting to uh, speak to the prime minister. Uh, and um, the latest uh, incarnation of your work is the Infact program, the first international program for food addiction professionals. Uh, you are a model of recovery. Uh, you are a fierce Icelandic woman who will make happen what she wants. Thank you so much, Esther, for this talk. Thank you, Vera, for partaking in all of this. Okay. Thanks for joining us this week on Food Junkies, Recovery from Food Addiction. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Sugar Free for Life Support Group, I'm Sweet Enough. You can subscribe to our show in iTunes or Stitchers. That way you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to pick up your copy of Dr. Tarman's book, Food Junkies, which is available on Amazon. If you have any additional questions, both Molly and Clarissa are food addiction professionals and work one-on-one -on -one with clients. You can find their websites and email addresses in the show notes. Be sure to tune in every Friday when our new episodes drop. As Vera loves to say, the power is ours.